head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 282 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Lisa Rinna of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about a very big week for the, the world of Irish MMA, uh, and and uh, uh, you know, uh, not a bad night actually last night uh, in the UFC. A fun enough card with a couple of fights, especially the main event was a little bit better than I thought it would be. Anyway, but we'll get to that later. We're going to talk about the Irish people first, and uh, another couple of topics maybe as well while we're at it. Graham, how are things? How's your week been? I can't complain. You know, uh, a lot of MMA cards to keep us occupied. It's good to have some Thursday cards back. It reminded me of the old WEC days, except not quite as late <laughs> but yeah it was great to have the the irish uh, guys fighting uh as we always mentioned it's, it's hard for them to get fights and um it's good to see a lot of them nearly all of them be successful mm-hmm. one thing i want to talk about before we get into the fights altogether is uh you know you spoke about the, the irish guys coming in there and james Gallagher kind of mentioned it and I, it's a topic that i kind of wanted to talk about a little bit maybe two for just four or five minutes here before we, we start like esther lane came out this week and she said she's stopping uh doing mma and obviously a lot of that is down to the pandemic uh because uh, she can't if people don't know esther lane is the photographer for mma fighting and i think she did it for uh the showtime boxing possibly in america as well and she decided to kind of step away from it just because of the pandemic and also because of like online and the abuse and the, the maybe not in fact the abuse but the stuff she was kind of seeing online and then james gallagher came out and said you know people are uh, you know, talking about people abusing him but also that he didn't want to say anything online because people will only be talking about it and, you know kind of it's it's a recurring team in 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 mma like this the, the online not just abuse but like just the barrage of of stuff online and i kind of found it this week as well we i was talking about uh paula costa versus uh israel adesanya and uh someone said to me uh or i said that i i didn't like what something adesanya said and they were like what about everything bohachinia had said coming up to it and i was like i didn't see any of that and that's the way I kind of cope with it. And someone, someone said to me, he's like, uh, uh, that person I said it to, I was like, um, maybe you should see that when you're when you're covering MMA. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, I pro- actually probably should have, but I can't anymore. Like, I think, I, I was listening to what Esther, Lester, uh, Lester, Esther said, uh, and I was like, I, I was in that sort of position a while back, and I kind of had to pull back from it a little bit, especially on Twitter and especially online. You kind of... I think you need to find ways to cope with it, and I think if you're listening to this, and not just me or or or, uh, or Graham here, but anyone who's like covering MMA or doing different parts of MMA, I think give people a little bit of a break because there's a lot of MMA news itself, and then there's a lot of shit talking, and there's a lot of people saying I want to be world champion. There's a lot of people saying this guy I hate him, this girl I hate her. You know, there's a lot of that, and it becomes a lot you know mma already you have to keep in touch with it you have to keep up with who's fighting next who's falling ill who's not fighting and i think we've reached a stage uh, in the world of mma where you can keep up on anything and if you do it'll drive you absolutely mad so for me i have i have not stopped kind of following fighters coming in unless i i think they're funny or unless they're maybe irish and local or something like that and i want to see him coming up from the very bottom to the very top or whatever like that I just can't keep a hold of the next middleweight contender beef or the next, you know, flyweight call out or the ne- whatever it might be. I just can't do that anymore. There's so much MMA as well this week. We're talking about, I was looking through the cards here and I haven't pulled up on my computer. I have nearly so many tabs open on my computer. It's It's going to fall to pieces. There's so much to keep up with in terms of just fights itself. That That's basically all we've been doing for the last while. Now, there's always going to be a straight Adesanya tweet or a McGregor tweet or something like that that we're going to have to talk about and it becomes huge news. But I think 
that oh, the world of MMA is changing like that and some people you know there'll be some people on their podcast and all they'll do is talk about tweets but for us for me especially I know I'm kind of giving throwing this out of the blue at you Graham but for me especially this is what I kind of want to focus on more than anything else I want to try to focus on the fights more than anything else if there's some big news story obviously focus on that as well but I think in for me especially and people might disagree with this and they might say i'm you know i'm soft and i i shouldn't be uh <laughs> i shouldn't be doing this but i have to stay away from some things in the sport i just have to because i don't think it's possible to cover what i want to cover properly if i have to do it all and have to be strung that wide graham that was that was just a flow of consciousness there for me <laughs> for me for a few minutes uh what what do you think of that whole space and the whole like well, yeah, yeah well, yeah, well, it all comes down to oversaturation. Like when we started watching, or even a few years ago, you'd be watching all the countdowns, all that stuff. You might even, you know, a friend might come over and ask you, "Is UFC on this weekend?" You watch it. Is, is a countdown now? You'd watch it, but now it's just it's so formulaic. It's like you've seen them all before. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless there's, as you said, unless there's somebody that you're you think is a real good prospect or is is funny or is is interesting in some way it's hard to to pay attention to all their things like if you go on for example reddit mma and you refresh and then you refresh again 15 minutes later there's a whole page of sometimes there's a whole page of new stories and quotation marks or whatever like tweets as you mentioned or call outs or videos or you know all of this stuff it's, it is pretty much impossible to keep up unless you're unless you're just refreshing mma reddit all day and clicking everything yeah it 100 is and they're like there's a side of mma as well like that is very i know esther lincoln once said toxic uh and i think there is a side of it like that as well there's just an abusive side of it and it's not just mma it's online but sometimes we we tend to go overboard and shit on mma fans i actually think the for a large percentage mma fans are really good and are really nice people everyone i've met in in personal has been well apart from one that one lad who attacked me at Bellator. <laughs> everyone else has been absolutely fantastic um so i think we but they're like it's it's just an online thing and it's just like even even outside of mma i've i've had to kind of cut back in on the twitter i'm using and you know like especially with american politics at the moment there's either these lads who fucking love donald trump or they hate donald trump and then they will not stop talking about it non-stop like I, i'm sure everyone listening to this has their opinions and everything like this and i have my opinions you have your opinions but like do you need to hear those opinions non-stop 24 hours <laughs> like it's 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 just that world we're living in at the moment and it's a such an odd world and i think the run has made it worse because everyone's sitting at at home like us and now has the opportunity to talk shit the whole time whereas before it was just us who was, who was talking this shit so yeah I, I think i thought i'd just bring that up just if people think like something maybe flies over our head or if we probably people were probably listening to this last week and listened to us talking about adesanya and bohachini and uh and saying like what about this what about what they said and i i probably i think you're probably in the same boat as me i just had not heard what it said i saw the promo that it had in the ufc broadcast and i didn't like it before the fight i thought it was a bit petty and a bit weird and i saw like one or two tweets but yeah i think just in the few in future with us and with other people as well just bear with us because it's impossible to catch everything it's impossible to see everything and what's even harder these days for me it's impossible to remember everything because i used to remember everything before and i used to know know every card that happened in the last six months or the last year every card coming up in the next two months not possible anymore i was looking at the cards there a minute ago it's just not possible it's just not possible but anyway i uh i digress and we shall talk now a bit about uh mma and uh the first thing i want to get to here is last night in milan uh, as james gallagher and cal elner finally fought uh and it was the fight i suppose you know what it was the fight it was the fight that if they had just fought at the very start and there had been no uh i think it was about 13 14 months maybe maybe a little bit longer kind of build to this with the fight being cancelled over and over and over it had just happened that first time and this had happened i think it would have been it wouldn't have been surprising at all i think the fact it was built up over and over and over we kind of built cal elnor up with it and maybe brought them as rivals rather than james gallagher's next step now take nothing away from cal i think he's a good fighter and i think i'd love to see cal fight 
you know, Franz Malambo maybe, or if he's going up to 145, a Dylan Logan, I know he's fighting soon again, but I'd love to see him fight one of the SBG guys and kind of keep in with that, because I think he's built a name there, and Belter would be wise to keep trying to build that name and maybe build like a kind of a Ricky Bandejas, uh, <laughs> you know, rivalry with SBG uh, as well, and I think that'd be good, but on James Gallagher, just looked great, Graham, didn't he? He looked, he looked smooth and slick like he has for the last while, didn't he? Yeah, like uh, he's always criticized on the feet, but he looked he looked smooth on the feet for the little bit we did see, and then when Kyle threw that leg kick, he just immediately transitioned. The timing was was perfect, and from there the back take was was exceptional as well. And it just seemed like a matter of time, even though Kyle did fight off a couple of uh, short choke and a couple of uh, crank attempts. Uh, once James has that long on on your back to work, you always expect to finish for for such a such a dominant grappler and in James. Yeah, it's it, watching James like it's funny because you you see a young Irish guy coming through and everyone saying oh he's trying to be Conor McGregor he wants to be Conor McGregor and all this but he couldn't be further from wanting to be Conor McGregor when he fights in the cage you know he goes in he sets up his takedowns in what. 25 seconds maybe maybe a minute maybe it was a little yeah. bit longer well, I think I think earlier on in his career maybe he, people were criticising him for, or were pointing out that he shouldn't be spending as much time on his feet when he's mm-hmm. such a dominant grappler should be kind of more like Gunnar Nelson but uh, he went in there uh, and you know this time out and more more recently and fought a really smart game plan and did the right things and you know it's easy to forget how young he is he's been around for so long but uh, he's still young in the game and still uh, developing yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think it was... Like, it's smart as well. If you are that dominant in that position, that that's the way to do it. And I asked him yesterday, does he think he can take it all the way? And he said, well, I'm all, all the way to the top. Sorry. And he's like, I'm already at the top. But he does think he can. And it's, it's interesting because it seems like he has the wrestling acumen as well to go with his jiu-jitsu and the thing about um, I was calling McGregor about Gallagher's jiu-jitsu as well is he's just it, there's there's some guys I was talking about it last week about I can't remember who it was now but there's some guys that they're just when you when you get the fight to the ground they are you know they're barrelers they just try to go through you and they try to like absolutely decimate you and it's just and it's just a sick like 30 seconds maybe when they get you to the ground they just either try to put the chokes right on you or try to land big ground upon whereas James Gallagher is a little bit slower and a little bit more he's like quicksand you know the, the further you move the more he's going to get you into his grasp and I'm, like someone described him like Damien Maia yesterday and now I'm not saying James Gallagher is Damien Maia on the ground don't get me wrong here but he has that sort of style that sort of calm composed grappling style where once he gets you to the ground he's taking his time and he's going to look for it and we saw you know if anyone has watched Cal in his previous fights Cal's good in that position, you know, Cal is good on the ground, he loves to, to create kind of scrambles in that position and make it, make it awkward, and I think that's a, why a lot of this fight was kind of built up, because Cal has that ability to do that, but he didn't show that at all at the weekend, like, James just, just decimated him, just took him down and absolutely, you know, destroyed him, dominated every second of the fight, a flawless victory, won with 29 seconds to go, uh, and the rear naked choke in the first round after a lovely takedown as well, so... Like, the thing after this is, that's kind of out of the way now. You know, he's he had the, the fight with Roman Salazar in the last year as well. So it's not like it's just been Cal Elnor in the last one. And I know that was short notice and everything like that. But I think now you have to move on if you're James Gallagher. And I think there's a great opportunity here because of the coronavirus. And that's a, maybe an odd thing to say. But, like, if there wasn't the coronavirus here now, and this was happening in Dublin, there'd always be that temptation to fight again in Dublin, to have a next fight in Dublin. I think now we have two months left in the year. He took no damage last night. I think if James can get in before the end of the year, maybe early next year, and get over to America, you know, hopefully Bellator will be able to come back to Dublin <clears throat> at some stage next year, maybe in the summer, and James will be able to come back and fight there. But I think now is the opportunity to get one of those fights, you know, whether it's whether it's the title or who whether would, it's... Who would pa- you like to see him? I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Is there any names that stick out to you? I, like the Ricky Bandeos rematch, I think it would be good to get done in in the next couple of fights or the next two or three fights. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing the next either. I think uh, it'd be a good kind of you know it's the only loss on his on his record and it'd be good to get that back and before he kind of moves on to maybe the the bigger names in the division. Yeah, I think that's a good fight as well. The thing about Ricky though is he hasn't 
you know, he hasn't kind of kicked on since James. He's won some fights and he's done well, but he's lost a few fights as well. And I don't know, like, say if Ricky had won all of his fights since the James fight or, you know, even gone, say, 6-1 and one or something like that, I think it would would make complete sense. I think, you know, we'll get to Brian Moore later on, but I think that fight makes more sense than maybe the James fight now. But if they made it, I think it would be a huge fight. Like, you look at James Gallagher as well, though. I was thinking about Bellator yesterday. Like, have Bellator a bigger potential star than James Gallagher? And already have their guy in the promotion who is not a champion and who has, hasn't fought yet at championship level or near championship level, who all the top people in the division want to fight and think is a big fight for them. Like, to, to Bellator someone else like that, I'm, I'm trying to think, like... The MVP maybe not really though. Is is there anyone else in Bellator? He's fought at the at the championship caliber, but even a contender level. Even a contender level, I don't I don't think it is. Like James Gallagher, people like to shit on James Gallagher not an awful lot, and I think I think you know where that kind of it stemmed from. Obviously the the comparisons of McGregor, and they say he's a wannabe, and they say he's everything under the sun, and you know there's there's no doubt in it that he's a bit like Conor McGregor, and you know he's the tattoos, and he tries to talk a little bit like him. You know that's going to happen when you're a 19 year old or a 17 year old, and you have the biggest uh, star in history of the sport in front of you, but. I think the thing about James is as well, when he kind of got into Bellator or started his career early, he was still very young and still green enough, even though he's been fighting for a long time. And I remember at the time saying, like, James is going to need time to develop. We can't be throwing him right in there yet against the pit bulls or whoever it might be at the very top of the divisions. And people were like, oh, what, what, what are you talking about? Even James himself, I think, was, was kind of a little bit like that. But I think that's proven to be true over time. And when James got into Bellator or started fighting maybe in Bama, even the start of his career, he wasn't the fighter he is now. He wasn't as smart and as intelligent and as slick on the ground as he is now. And, like, if you'd asked me, what, what was it, maybe two or three years ago, was James Gallagher ready to go up and fight someone at the at the top level? Like, uh, you know, uh, Brett Johns just signed for, for Bellator or even Sergio Pettis. I would have said no, but now, like, I, I still don't think the Pettis fight is the right fight, but him versus Arculeta, I think, is not a bad fight at all. I, I'm not saying that I think James is 100% win or anything like that, but I don't think that's a bad fight to make at all, and I think any of those guys at the top of that division, I think James Gallagher is ready to take him on. Not saying that he'd beat all of them or not saying he'd win all those fights, but I think he's ready now to take him on, and he needs that next push, and I think sometimes, it ha- like it happens in all sports, it happens, I'm sure you know Liverpool players who people shit on, and then over the, the course of like 18 months they be actually become good and everyone's still shitting on them saying they're useless I've seen it with Wes Brown and Man United was a great example I always use that it happens in MMA it happens in other sports as well and James has moved on he's progressed in his career interesting to see the striking though has he progressed in the striking we haven't been able to see it yet uh, but I'm sure he has and uh, I suppose that's the next thing to do for him so like I, I don't think the name is as important and James kind of said it himself last night uh, in the interview it's like you know he's the name and whoever's next is whoever next but uh it needs to be someone next it needs to be uh, bandejas might be the perfect name it needs to be a mix it needs to be someone like that where he, he's going to get another bit of uh, uh appreciation i think over in uh, over in america but however any any last thoughts on, on james gallagher Graham, before we uh, move on further down the card yeah, well, I think, like, you know, as you mentioned, when he went into Bellator, people were kind of wanting him to, or calling for him to be in against the top guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you're only five, six fights into your career, like, we were kind of talking about Paul Hughes and Ian Gary last week. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, these fighters, like, they need time to develop. Uh, okay, James had an extensive um, amateur career, uh, 13 and 3, I believe it was. Uh, but uh, some of them fights were when he was extremely young, like a young teenager, and he's still developing in the game. and he He's he's shown fight to fight that he's still developing and that's why you don't want to see these guys rushed in against top contenders or sign for the UFC too early and be thrown in and it can all go pear-shaped pretty quickly if if, if if you're not careful careful about uh, developing when you're a young fighter. Yeah, oh, 100%. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's uh, it's good that the younger fighters maybe of today are kind of talking about that. You hear Ian Gary and Paul Hughes talking about that. I, I, I don't know if James talk about it, but he has done it. And I think it, the way James has been developed has been really good now the last year and a half maybe not and that's not down to him or not down to Bellator or anything like that it's just down to the unfortunate circumstances but yeah I think it's I think it's definitely time now to for James to move on and there's a good opportunity I think now into the year maybe carried over in America to, to get him a, a big fight so exciting times for for James Gallagher uh in the co-main event then 
We had uh, Charlie Ward versus Andy Manzolo. Uh, it was a unanimous 29-28 decision. And I think this was a pretty straightforward 29-28 decision. I know a few people said, uh, I think it was the second round, that they thought Manzolo might have won. But I don't think so. I think the first round, Manzolo dominated on top after he got a, a judo takedown the second round I thought it was more of a, I know in the commentary they said Charlie Ward took him down but uh, Charlie was trying to take him down but I think Manzola kind of went with it and I think kind of more pull guard than anything but it was went badly for him Charlie landed some big ground and pound and dominated that round one nineteen nineteen. And then the third round as well, Charlie was just on top for the entire round. Maybe not as much uh, in that round, but I don't think Manzolo did enough from the bottom either uh, to to win it. Uh, and I thought it was a straightforward enough 29-28. Not a classic fight by any means, uh, but a good win for Charlie uh, for Charlie Ward. Graham, were you uh, were you impressed? What you think of it? Yeah, it was it was a good win by Charlie. Obviously, the the first round wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't looking good for him. But um, yeah, I think the commentators were kind of talking about the the strikes from the bottom from Manzolo. But I think if they were if there was some more clean ones in there, then maybe I could kind of come around to that argument. But it was it was kind of sloppy and uh, nothing shots most of the time. And uh, although Charlie wasn't landing big volume when he did throw, they were kind of harder, bigger strikes than than he was receiving. So yeah, I think. Uh, I think Charlie probably just edged out the the fight with the second and the third round. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah, I, look, it was it was it wasn't a classic by any means, but um, you know, as as I said, a good win for uh, for Charlie Ward, and I'm sure he'll be moving on. And he'll, uh, you know, we talked about Fabian Edwards last week, and and Costello Vancinas in there, and the, the middleweight division. You know, Will Flory fought Ken Cobain and. Uh, as well, so there's lots of guys around there. You know, there's kind of a, a merry-go-round at that middleweight division as well. So I'm sure Charlie will get a, a name there coming into the next one. Uh, speaking of Charlies, we had Charlie Leary versus Kiefer Crosby uh, in a 160-pound catchweight in opening up the main card, and it was an absolute mad first round. Kiefer Crosby was just walking forward, just landing some big shots of his own but like taking everything right in the head and absolutely no no defense at all it made for a fun fight for about two or three minutes uh, or maybe even a little bit longer but then Charlie Leary landed some hard shots and the, re- the referee really could have stopped it late I think he probably should have stopped it uh, with maybe 15-20 seconds left to go but Kiefer did well actually a little bit longer than that and then again with 15-20 seconds left to go but Kiefer did a great job of, of just keeping conscious really and catching those double legs and pulling himself up and getting back and even when he did get back he didn't look right and I definitely think the referee should have stopped it a couple of times then it got to the end of the round I was almost certain that John Kavanaugh was going to stop it in between rounds because that's something he's been big on before if a fighter's badly hurt like that to, to stop it uh, but he didn't and they, they, they let it go and then the uh, ref, the doctor came in had a look at Kiefer Crosby's face I'm not sure exactly what it was um, he, he, I don't know if it was a cut or if it was the, the nose or the eye or whatever it was but uh, he mercifully stopped and I think look, I don't know Kiefer Crosby if he's listening to this or if he's looking back on it he's probably like saying ah, you know, I could have kept going I was still there I wasn't out and all fighters are going to say that and that's why they're fighters because they never want to stop and they never want to attain but I think long term take did the only thing that was going to happen here was Kiefer Crosby was going to take more damage on top of the huge damage he'd already taken uh, so I think it was a good thing long term for uh, for this fight to be ended I know they're calling for uh, in the commentary for a rematch and stuff because of the stoppage and like if Charlie Leary wants to rematch I think sure let, let's do it because it's a big fight you know a big name for him especially if it was in Dublin um, <clears throat> and Charlie's fought in Dublin before and he's enjoyed it but I, I think you know it was a good fight, but I think Charlie Leary like deserved the win, and it was should should have been more emphatic than it was because of the referee stoppage. But uh, yeah, fun fight anyway, and uh, unfortunately, obviously for Irish MMA, the key for Crosby ended up on on the losing side of it. But uh, what what did you think, Graham? Were you uh, were you a fan of this fight? Were you impressed by it? Yeah, I know the ref. I know what you're saying about the ref could have stopped it, but I think Kiefer did do just enough. Like you know, he he kept moving at the the vital moments to just survive. Like, but yeah, if the ref had stopped it, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been. You know, nobody would have been saying early stoppage. But I, I can see why he let it go as well. And I was surprised that the doctor stopped it. They said it was for a cut, but it, it must have been. Yeah, it would make more sense to me that he kind of looked in his eyes and he was still rocked or something like that because the cut didn't seem too bad. Yeah. But. uh 
if it was stopped on the cut, I think that's that was a bit of a dodgy decision. But uh, as you said, maybe it was it was better for the kind of the future of Kiefer Cosby to kind of like you know come back in, in another day. Yeah, I was actually I was going to email Bellator yesterday, but I kind of. Uh, I know you see him out or something asking for clarification on that because I was thinking the same thing. There wasn't really a, <coughs> a bad cut there that I could see. You know, maybe there was, maybe there was a small cut in, inside of the eye or something, but um, or inside near the eye. But yeah, I didn't really see it. But uh, yeah, I, I think overall it was it was the right decision to be honest. And uh, look, Kiefer will be back, and Charlie Leary, a good win for him. Has obviously lost the Reds are there recently, and uh, it's good to see him uh, coming back there as well. And this, like this was. The litmus test as well for Kiefer Crosby's career. We talked about it last week, and I think even myself and Andy, we did a podcast. We were talking about it. This is the most experienced guy he's ever fought and the best guy he's ever fought. And, you know, the way he fought maybe was down to, I don't know, was it down to the coronavirus and the, the, the preparations and stuff like that? Um, I th- I think if they fought again, I don't think he'd fight the same way. And now I'm not saying he'd win. You know, Charlie Leary would have a, the exact same chance again. But I think this is the sort of fight that if you're Kiefer Crosby, you kind of learn from it. And, you you know, you approach fights like this in a different way in the future. So I don't think uh, it's something that is the, the end of the road for Kiefer Crosby at all. I think it's a, a good learning experience for him. And, you know, Kiefer is, is a guy who's improved over the years, but maybe not going to kind of taken off in the way that maybe some would have expected over the last while and sometimes a knockback like this can can jolt you more uh forward so maybe that will uh will happen for Kiefer and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next while uh under that uh we will get to Shane Kevin in just one second but everything else in the card Chris Bungard who obviously people around here would know uh, very well lost uh Admar Guy uh by a split decision it was a closer fight I think than the commentary made out but I think the decision probably went the right way and then there was a pile of other people on this card I suppose the standout one uh for Irish people as I said look good uh getting the win over Nathan Jasimia uh, via TKO in the second round, uh, Andrew Fisher beat Ashley Grimshaw, Kane Musa got the decision there as well, I think there was one stray card there, I actually didn't see the fight, but people were giving out, I think it was about <laughs> Doug Grasby gave a 30 to 27 the other way, uh, but these things happen uh, in MMA, and uh, Asajan Duke beat uh, Carlo Pedrosoli as well there, but Sinead Kavanagh, Graham, I, like, I thought... I, I don't think I've seen Sinead fight this well ever, to be honest. I, I think her takedown defense coupled with landing more strikes as well as uh, being a little bit more offensive than she maybe normally would be was was really good here. I, I was really impressed with her. I thought I thought she won every round. I thought she was, you know, really... But did I think she ever won every round? I think she did. <laughs> There's so many fights this weekend. It's, it's, hard to, uh, it's hard to remember, but... I thought Sinead looked really, really good. You know, she spoke well before the fight and after the fight as well. Um, she called out uh, Chris Cyborg. Or I asked her what, what's the one name she wanted, and she said it's Chris Cyborg. She said she wants a title fight. And, you know, there isn't a huge women's featherweight division or women's, um, yeah, women's featherweight division, sorry, there. And she's right up there, you know. And her on the feet versus Cyborg would be a very fun fight now. Cyborg might decide to take it to ground, but I don't know. But what, what do you think, Graham? What did you think of, uh, of Sinead Kavanagh's performance uh, last night? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think she was more busy. I think um, maybe the Leslie Smith loss that most people thought was a was a victory. Maybe the, the one criticism you could have of Sinead in that fight was that she could have thrown more and made it more emphatic. Even though even though most people agreed that she she did enough, but uh, in this fight she didn't. She seemed like she wasn't going to let that happen. You know, she her output was more. And the, as you mentioned, the the cyborg fight kind of makes a bit of sense because you can have it in Dublin and have it as a huge event. I think that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I I think it makes a lot of sense as well, and uh, look, hopefully that fight will will happen. I know Cyborg's fighting here coming up soon. Um, she hasn't shied away. I don't think from this fight uh, whatsoever. And she you know she's mentioned um, she has mentioned Sinead and stuff before. So it might be uh, it might be one that it ends up uh, happening down the line. But however, uh, there was another Bellator card as well. If we talked a little bit about it on Patreon, but uh, we'll talk about it here again for a second because there was some Irish interest on it uh, as well. Um, Blaine O'Driscoll, I suppose, was the first one uh, who got a good win there over Sal Elkins in the uh, in the prelims of that card. Uh, Blaine came out. He had a few leg kicks. He had a few shots as well. He's shown some big right hooks. 
Um, got ended up getting the fight to the ground. Just looked too good. Looks slick as well. You know, touches of James Gallagher's about him on the ground. Looks slick on the ground and sharp, and was able to get the rear naked choke halfway through the first round. A very good performance uh, from Blaine O'Driscoll. I know Graham, you've seen Blaine around for a good while. Um, you're impressed by his performance. Another good win here for uh, for Blaine, wasn't it? Yeah, he's always game and kind of willing to to give a shot or get a shot to give or take a shot to give a shot, as you kind of mentioned there. And you know, he, he's he's always been he's always been well rounded and um, very very tough nosed and a hard opponent. And you know, it's 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 good. Uh, it's a good victory. It's a good finish. You get in there, first round finish. You, you know, a lot of his fights go go to distance, and you, you kind of don't want to get that label of of. Uh, of always going through a decision, so uh, yeah, he climbed to nine and three now. That's a, that's a really good record, you know. I don't think he's ready for a big step up, but maybe just a more experienced guy of of a uh, of a. Um, I can't think of anybody that comes to mind, but. Um, it's interesting though, like the, the the he's a flyweight like and the Bellator don't have a flyweight division as such so like he's two options I think he's either leave Bellator or go to 135 pounds and you know he seems like destined to fight at flyweight so I don't know like I don't know if he can get out of <laughs> Bellator or anything like that but like it feels like if Blaine could could he could probably get to the UFC now you know he looks good he's a good record the UFC don't have that many flyweights and they're always looking for him like it's it's an interesting one because I, I I don't know are they going to build a division like he called out Sergio Pettis saying come down I want to fight you at one twenty five like it's probably not going to happen you know and it's it's a weird odd yeah. situation for Blaine isn't it Yeah it's just there's nobody really you know obvious for him to fight maybe maybe we're missing somebody that that's been recently signed or that's on the roster but um yeah I think uh, if he's going to stay at Bellator and want to make a title run he's going to have to kind of you know he's going to have to fight at 135 which which isn't ideal um i don't know what his contract situation is like would the ufc be interested like maybe you know they might try and redo that um the the point show that they were trying to do to ufc and if mm-hmm. uh, once this coronavirus if it ever ends uh which which who knows about that but uh yeah it's <laughs> It's hard to know what to do with Blaine Driscoll or what Blaine Driscoll should do. Yeah, 100%. Uh, otherwise, in that card, you had the one of the most weird finishes ever. Uh, Monica Chocolaclova beat Jade Durand by a scorpion crunch. I don't know if you saw this, Graham. So she basically put her legs up in the air on either side of her opponent uh, while having her back on the ground. Uh, put her hands behind her legs and just squaws. Squaws? Is squaws a word? Squaws? She squeezed her? Squeeze her? I don't know what the word is. What's the I don't know, but she squares her anyway, and uh, squashed her. Squashed her. <laughs> just squ- squashed her. That's I. I was actually looking. That was the one submission that no one would ever be able to get in me. <laughs> and there's just no. There's just that's not animatically. Animatically, I can't speak. And yeah, it's not possible. But anyway, yeah, that was low level stuff. I think uh, Tom King came out and said it, it was like that's that's not good. <laughs> you know, that's kind of white belt stuff. I think a lot of people were saying so. Uh, otherwise, in the card, then. Lee Chadwick had a good win. Uh, Costi, who's obviously fighting in um, in SPG as well and uh, has been around as, with Conor McGregor for a good while, uh, got a good win there as well over Kyoan Gracie. Joris uh, Jurisic beat Walter Gahadza, a very good win there as well. Mandy Baum, I think he was fighting out of SPG, got a win as well. And Lewis Footlong, who's been around the scene for a good while as well, got uh, a win there. Then in the main card, Christopher Duncan beat Mick Furtado. Looked really good when it won the second round. We know Furtado, who almost beat Kiefer Crosby uh, in what I believe was his last fight. Uh, and then we had the, the top three uh, fights. Let's go backwards first. Uh, Denise Keyholz uh, beat Kate Jackson in the main event. Got a quick knockout there. Big left hook, I believe it was. A few late shots as well after Tandan was trying to stop it. So good, good finish and a good... Uh, you know, probably the wrong choice as a main event, but ended it well anyway, so it wasn't too bad. Then Norbert Navinia Jr. <coughs> got a good finish, but it was very mad with himself because he got knocked down with, I think, another left hook uh, in uh, in that fight against Lahid Zahuni. But I think he moves to 5-0 now. In my opinion, 
and I've probably said this about a couple of people, but I think he's the best prospect in world MMA in Arbor Navinia Jr. He is brilliant. He's brilliant on the ground. He's brilliant jiu-jitsu. His striking is fantastic. You know, he got caught with a strike at the weekend, and John, Big John McCarthy was like, oh, his striking is not matching where he's wrestling. I was like, have you ever seen him fighting before? You know, he peace guys up. He fought Will Flory and beat him on the feed very well. And we saw Will did last week against a kickboxer. Looked, didn't look bad at all defensively uh, in that. And, and Norbert Navinia Jr. kind of destroyed him. But very, very good Norbert. I, I think he's fantastic. And then we had Brian Moore against Simone Adana. A, a fantastic performance again from Brian Moore. But one of those performances where he made you think about it. You know, in the first round it was close. But Moore's boxing was just a little bit crisper, a little bit nicer. And the second round, Moore got knocked down heavily. Uh, you could see it in his eyes that he was still there, but when you get knocked down like that, it's always uh, it's always an issue. But he came back well. I think was intelligent. He pushed Adana against the cage, kind of got his wits back. Then they broke out. He landed a beautiful uppercut, um, two right hands. The second one just knocked. It, it was one of those fights, and I think I mentioned it over on Patreon during the week. But but we talked about Ian Gary. Uh, last week or two weeks or whatever the fuck it was, it could be a month ago now, I don't know, but it was like a, a devastating TKO loss, this was a devastating TKO loss which ended up in a KO loss, you know, he was kind of beating him down with 10-12 punches and then he landed one big knockout punch, fantastic by Brian Moore, like, I feel like everyone covering Irish MMA and everyone in Irish MMA kind of has a soft spot for Brian Moore because he's been really good now for a long time, he's always improved, He's a guy who is, you know, he's a real family man, just a nice guy. You know, he's from Wexford as well, which which helps, I think. Um, and it's good to see good things happen to Brian Moore because he was there thereabouts with the the first uh, wave of Irish MMA. Maybe he wasn't ready or maybe it was just, you know, it wasn't his time. But he's done so well over the last while. And I really hope he gets another big fight here, Brian Moore. And, and he deserves it. I think he's, his quality is there. And uh, I, was, I was very impressed, Graham. Were you as uh, were you, were you as impressed with Brian Moore as, as I was here on uh, on like Wednesday night or whenever it was? Yeah, definitely because Thursday night wasn't it? Uh, I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Brian, like you know, uh, he definitely was a bit of adversity there at the start of the second round, but he, he kept his wits about him, as you said. He kind of he showed he's a mature, kind of experienced fighter now. Like uh, obviously, his twentieth fight of his career. Uh, he's been fighting a long time. He, as you mentioned, he kind of missed out on the the UFC Irish MMA wave when he'd kind of taken a break for like family and his own business, his own gym reasons and things like that. And uh, it was kind of the forgotten man. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's definitely good to see him getting some getting some shine and getting getting these chances that he probably should have gotten or was unlucky not to get uh, due to kind of different circumstances at the. Uh, a few years back when the when the MMA explosion was happening in Ireland so I think uh, yeah people who, who've been who have followed all the other kind of Irish fighters that have been successful or have had some success uh, remember Brian Moore and kind of want him to kind of achieve um, the success that maybe he he deserves and hasn't hasn't got yeah 100% and uh, this is the only way Wexford will win anything as well because they're useless but like, I was, I was uh, I think it's like Go on, what were you, you? We have some good potatoes down there from Wexford, though. Potatoes, lovely strawberries, <laughs> beautiful strawberries from Wexford. Yeah, the potatoes are very, very good from Wexford. Very, very good Wexford. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guy and it sells them in a van up in Dublin there, and they're very, very good. Yeah, they sell them all over Fair the country. I don't know how many people got my. You definitely didn't get it, but my tweet the other day about Wexford coming back. Like Limerick were playing Wexford in the All Ireland 94, wasn't it? And we were getting, we were winning, and then they came back and beat us. And I was like, oh, Wexford people used to come back. But anyway, uh, Belter of a card as well next week. The first car, actually, as well, Paul Daly pulled out of this fight. Uh, he, he, I don't know, did he miss weather? It was, was weight cutting issues anyway to go to hospital. And he said he wasn't in hospital. And they said he wasn't fighting. And he said he was fighting. And then he said he wasn't fighting. So he pulled out. But Paul Daly said, <coughs> has weight cutting issues his whole career. Uh, he said he's going to have one more <coughs> one more cost, Jesus, as I choked today. Uh, and uh, he'll retire after that. But, um, yeah, remains to be seen. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, looking looking forward to his next next uh, few fights. <laughs> next few fights, indeed. Uh, yeah. Uh, as well, uh, also, I have to say, that looking forward to Esther Lynn's next few, um, <laughs> next few MMA events where she's uh, doing photography. Because MMA retirements don't uh, don't actually happen. So I have to I have to be fair to her as, as I am to all the fighters. So. Um, 
And obviously, then next week, uh, Bellator go to Paris for the first time ever uh, with, uh, you know, an, an okay card. Not the best card in the world, but um, we've MVP versus Ross Houston, the main event, which we've talked about over and over now. We might talk about it again in a second. Uh, Czech Congo versus Timothy Johnson uh, as well here. It's weird. The the, uh, the poster looks a bit weird because it looks like Czech Congo is the main event. But then you have Ross Hughes as well. I don't, I, I don't know. It's one of those cards where Bellator do it, where they stick a Bellator 2 for 8 card and a Bellator Paris card in the same thing. I'm not sure if it's one of them or not, but we'll probably find out during the week. Or with Bellator, you might find out until the fucking fights are happening. But um, Then you have Oliver Inkamp, who's looked good recently against uh, Emmanuel Dawawa. Um, Melvin Manhoff's back here. Terry Brazier's back. Uh, as well, Dominic Wooding is fighting. Kieran Clark is fighting John O'Doy in a big step up for him. 8-1. Uh, Dylan Logan is fighting William Gomez here as well. A good fight there for uh, for Dylan Logan. Mads Burnell, I believe, is making his promotional debut, if I'm not mistaken. Former Fit Cage Warriors champion. Uh, Saul Rogers is back here fighting as well. Saul's been doing good stuff for a long while on the scene. Ryan Scopey Squ- is fighting here against Alan Omer. Uh, so a big one for the Northwest there after an unfortunate loss for him last night with uh, with Callan or an Elias Bulliad as well uh, is fighting. Uh, some some Irish interest there, Graham. I was Bulliad fighting out of SPG. We have Dylan Logan, yeah, Kieran Clark. Kieran Clark is fighting Gene and Doy, which is it's a, definitely a difficult fight at uh, your third ever fight as a pro, but uh, it kind of shows the the confidence they seem to have in Clark uh, throwing him in there against uh, Gene and Doy. I know uh, I know Clark's been around the amateur scene, but uh, it's definitely a big step up in his pro career. Yes, and Doy's first fight. Since 2013, I remember. The, I'm pretty sure I saw him fighting at a Dublin Cage Warriors card. Maybe it was the Liam James one years and years ago. I'm not. I'm on topology here, so the venue is not coming up. But I'm pretty sure I fought. I've seen him fight. He was supposed to fight in 2017. It didn't happen. So this is his first fight in seven, almost seven years exactly. <clears throat> so it'd be interesting. He was a very, very good fighter. What eight and one in his career. Uh, so uh, it, I know maybe it's one where you look at it and it look like a really big scalp for uh, for Kieran Clapp, but it might be a winnable fight as well. But someone out of the cage for that long, so uh, and I don't know what the crack what, what he's been doing or has he been fighting kick footboxing or boxing or what the crack with him. But um, you know it's good to see John and die back because he was a very good fighter as well. So uh, big big scalp there if he can take it for Kieran Clark and uh, yeah, it's, uh, looking forward to uh, to that one. This. Um, this MVP versus Houston fight, let's just mention it again because we, we talked about it before, but as we're kind of up on it now, uh, like, to me, this fight makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. You know, you've you've Ross Houston coming in, obviously, from Cage Warriors, did really well there, 8 and 8 no, but uh, there's probably no contest in there as well, isn't there, for that, uh, that mad fight, the bloody fight, the bloody war. But, okay, if Houston wins this, Right, you've created someone who's beaten Michael Venom Page. This is your next star coming through from this area, maybe. You know, it's always possible. But then you are, if that happens, you're kind of guaranteed to set MVP back. And if MVP wins, which I think most people probably think he will, you've just MVP for a lot of people. Now, we, we'd know it, and a lot of people in this scene would know it's a good win. But most people in America and most people watching this fight will not realize how, you know, the, the gravity of that win. So it's just going to... I don't... This fight makes no sense. It would have made a lot more sense get Ross Houston a few more fights, get him a few more wins, and then put him in against MVP. For his first fight in the promotion, I think it makes little sense, to be honest. It should be a good fight. I, I favour MVP, but, yeah, I don't think it makes... Uh, it makes much sense at all, but sure. Look, these things happen uh, in MMA. Anyway... Let's talk about Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. When, when do Michael Venom Page fights ever make sense? Good point. <laughs> good point. Very good point. Ah, that Richard Kiley fight made perfect sense. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great fight. Nothing wrong with that fight. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Holly Holm last night looked good, really. I, I, I thought... Um, I thought Holly Holm kind of played a bit of a mind trick on Irina Aldana. In the first round, she came forward and she was attacking and she was throwing more shots than she's ever thrown. And then Irina Aldana was like, all right, we're, we're getting into fights so we're going to start exchanging here. And I was like, all right, if they keep fighting like that, Aldana is just eventually going to start throwing shots in the pocket and, and hurt Holly Holm. But in the second round then, Aldana kept fighting that fight, but Holly Holm didn't start fighting her fight. And she was circling to the left for the whole fight, fighting on the outside, still coming in with her shots, but fighting more of a counter fight and Aldana just had no answer for it she just just throwing you know, 
someone said to me last night it was an MMA fighter versus a boxer and that's exactly what it looked like here even though Ali Holm was the world boxing champion Aldana was just boxing like Aldana looks more athletic than Holly Holm looks cleaner with her, sh- her shots of time than Holly Holm but she just didn't have the variation she was just throwing the same things over and over she like when when someone's circling that way to the left we've seen it for what was that one famous fight oh the, the Justin Gaethje versus oh who was it James Vicker he's done it a couple of times where like they're circling away to that side and you just look and they leap in and throw that big right hook and you you're going to catch him more often than not. You're going to stop. Uh, I mean, maybe not more often than not, but you're going to catch him at a high percentage of time. And you're going to stop them circling. No right high kicks to stop her circling. Nothing. Just let Ali Holm do that. And I know our boy Schwan Humes was talking about it last night. As goes, it didn't surprise him. That's the sort of fighter that Aldana is. That she just doesn't have the variation in her game. And I think that was proved last night. Holly Holm kind of showed her up a little bit. And won all five rounds for me. I thought she won the fifth round 10-8 as well. Just a dominant display from, from Holly Holm. And I, I was a little bit disappointed with Aldana as well. I, I, I think when you get into that sort of range where this fight, if she'd won it, she would have got a title shot. And your fight, <clears throat> you just get beaten that bad tactically. I, I was the same with Bohachinia last week. I thought it was bad. But this was worse. I thought it was a very disappointing display from Aldana. What, 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 was your, uh, what were your thoughts on the main event there? Yeah, well, I thought it was a it was a great performance from home. Uh, she, she, as you mentioned, she kind of mixed it up a bit uh, early and then kind of settled into her to, into her game. Um, she just uh, mixed in those takedowns as well. That was kind of unexpected. You know, Holly Holm isn't isn't the best takedown artist. She's she's decent or good at pushing people up against the cage, but not really completing or doing anything with takedowns. But in this fight, she mixed them in really nicely and. Uh, Kept uh, kept her opponent guessing all the time, and I think I think it was one, one of the better performances we've seen, one of the best performances we've seen from Holly in in, in a good few years now. Yeah, I, I thought it was as well. I thought really intelligent. Uh, it turned out to be a good uh, match. Yeah. Go on. What were you going to say? I think I think it's for Aldana. It's hard to look good against Holly Holm. Like mm-hmm. it, it is like you know. A lot of times we say, "Oh, the opponent didn't really turn up." She just has a way of kind of making it her fight. I think she did that again. Uh, like I don't think the game plan would have would have been that for Aldana, but for Holly Holm, she executed her game plan perfectly from what you'd guess from looking what happened and what you guess the game plan would be so um yeah i think aldana definitely didn't you know i don't think it was as bad as costa i think she just it happened what happened to her happens to a lot of home's opponents yeah it is but there's ways to beat holly home too you know and the problem with aldana she didn't change up anything you know, she that's what the sign of a good fighter. I've said it here multiple times. The sign of a good fighter is if you're losing a fight like this, you can adjust. And the, the adjustments were made by Holly Holm and she was winning, you know. And maybe that stopped Aldana from adjusting again because she, she kind of drew her into... She played a mind trick on her. Like, I really believe that. She kind of... She dug her into the fight and there was no way she could get out of it. But, uh, yeah, it was low fight IQ from Aldana, I thought. that she just get stuck in that fight for four rounds the first round you know it was close enough but yeah i i didn't think it was great to be honest i, I didn't think it was great but very good from holly home very good um come in event then carlos felipe jorgen de castro rubbish three rounds felipe one who cares um <laughs> <laughs> yeah the ref, the ref was uh the ref was getting oh, yeah. really bored during any kind of grappling exchange he oh, was yeah. like refs jeez lads fuck sake will you strike somebody knock somebody out this is terrible i couldn't agree more with that referee Kevin Sataki have him ref every fucking fight we need more of that this is exactly what I was talking about no this isn't per se in the rules at the moment <laughs> or how things are refed yeah, at the moment it's definitely not in the rules no. <laughs> but, but Felipe was like you know he got grappled he got clinched and then like three seconds later he'd be like he's doing nothing he's yeah. doing nothing it's like yeah well he's three seconds like but Felipe wasn't even defending at the end because he knew Sataki would break it up he was just kind of looking at him and was like Ash what's the point to me defending here this bollocks is just gonna break it up but yeah but I like I am a big advocate for this because what what are people doing in the clinch at the moment there's if someone's gonna take someone down from the clinch against the cage they usually do it in the first 15 20 seconds there's very rare we see like a fucking two minute clinch and then someone gets a big takedown or someone hurts someone from it like the clinch is just a stalling position in MMA at the moment and i don't think it should be allowed like if if there's a takedown from it and it gets to the ground or if there's big strikes from it absolutely let them fight against defense but if there's 15 20 seconds of do nothing split it up 
Don't let him go and throw little uh, rabbit punches uh, against the cage for two minutes. I think we need to get rid of that. It's doing no one any good. It's an offensive sport, and we need to absolutely get rid of it. No, this went a bit too far, <laughs> even for me. And I'm a big advocate for that. But, uh, yeah, it, was, um, it wasn't great at all from, uh, from Kevin Sataki. Uh, then we had after that Jermaine Durandamy getting a submission over Juliana Pena. It was one of those fights uh, where Jermaine Durandamy came out, looked really good in the first round. Uh, she got a knockdown with a right hand, but right behind the ear, Aspen Lad style. Uh, but thankfully, with a good referee in here, I think it was Jason Herzog, if I'm not mistaken, and he let it go uh, as he should have. And um, Pena got a late takedown, but still 10 9 Jermaine Durandamy. Um, and then in the second round Pena kind of got on top was doing a little bit better uh, for times but on the feet Jermaine Randomy kind of still winning in the third round then uh, Pena got on top and Jermaine Randomy got a submission the first submission win of her career uh, and uh, a good win like it was very unexpected I wasn't expecting her to get the, yeah. the submission but a uh, good win for Jermaine Randomy and you know herself and Holly Holm they're both kind of sticking in there aren't they you know they, they just they won't go away Frankie Edgar style yeah, yeah, it was like Durandamy, obviously Muay Thai, known as a Muay Thai striker, but um, she there was no doubt about the submission. She choked her out unconscious, like so. Uh, she definitely improved there. Like uh, usually, if you see like a striker or a Muay Thai person going for going for like a guillotine like that and ending up on their, they, usually they're going to end up on their back, and you think it's a it's a terrible decision. And um, it was a it was a gutsy move to go for. You know, the takedown wasn't really. You know, she she chose to go for that for that guillotine, so it shows that she has um she has a lot more confidence in her jiu-jitsu than than maybe she did in the past. So she's obviously still developing, and she's definitely a problem for her, for anybody in the in either women's division uh, on the feet. So uh, yeah, she's definitely she, like she, she kind of turned down a chance at the title before. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't want to fight Cyborg, but uh, I think now, well, like maybe it was a. Uh, she she was the champion. <laughs> she was the champion, and she turned down Cyborg. Oh, remember that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Maybe she, maybe she thought she wasn't ready. Maybe she didn't have the confidence in her game. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like she's definitely, she's definitely a handful for anybody, and you know, is is uh is definitely um one of the top in girls in the division and 135 and 145 in my opinion mm-hmm. women Graham please we're not in 1992 how, how fucking dare you how dare you anyway yeah but like you, if you if you look at have you any any comeback for that now when you look at Durandami no. <laughs> she was uh, she was winning a portion of fight against Amanda Nunes and she kind of forced Nunes to take her down because she hit her so hard uh, so I wouldn't like I wouldn't mind seeing that fight again down the line at some stage but uh, yeah good performance from uh, from Jermaine Durandami we had then uh, Kyler Phillips beat Cameron Els dominant display there you know fair play to Cameron Els though getting into the UFC I remember seeing him fight in Dublin he was 3-3 three three when he knocked out Dylan too you know beat Paddy Pimblett as well early in his career so Cameron Nelson is a guy who who can win big fights and uh, who uh, who did has done very well to get to the UFC and hopefully get another couple of fights uh, after this one uh, then Dusko Todorovic looked really good against uh, Dequan Townsend I think he moved to 10-0 uh, at middleweight some some really smart people online were calling for him to fight uh, Shimaev. I think that'd be a very good fight. Although I think they're moving on Shimaev maybe to, to bigger names, but I like that fight a lot. Uh, and then on the undercard, we'll get to the, the top one in a second, but um, Luigi Vin Diarima got a really good head kick and punches TKO uh, here uh, against Jessin Aria. Look good. Casey Kenny got another good win. Uh, Loma Lookhouse beat Jin Yu Frey. The worst loss for Frey since Aria Stark. Uh, Imanov versus uh, Jordan Williams. Unanimous decision there for Imanov. Uh, Charles Jordan as well in a boring fight against another lad who no one cares about. What was that? I thought, I thought Jordan should have won, won, won that one, but uh, he did. Yeah, it was, Jordan wasn't there. Uh, yeah. Or was it, it was a draw? Yeah, yeah. Fake news, fake news. <laughs> I just I just read it. I'm on Wikipedia and Jordan Hashtag is the first Jordan is the first name and I'm like, ah, he won sure. <laughs> Even look at the result. Be grand. Uh but yeah, what you think Carlos Condes against Court McGee coming back? Yeah, he looked a little better than I thought. Like uh, he might um he was obviously on a losing streak and it was a very important win. Obviously Court McGee's a tough guy and it seemed to break his nose in the in the last couple of seconds of the, the first round and kinda of dropped him. But um yeah, I thought Conda deserved the, the win. I think he's definitely a fighter from a a different era, but he's um he, he 
it's good to see him win, but uh, I don't know. Like if you, if you put him in there against one of the top guys, I I fear for him. Yeah, I, I would as well. But I, I don't think you do. I, I like the Nick Diaz fight makes perfect sense now, I think. Like Diaz coming back, Hondit's not gonna fucking you know, not gonna Do you remember be, how boring it was the first time that I do, but I don't think it's gonna be the same this time. Like that that fight was for the title, don't forget. And people fight differently when they're fighting over five rounds for the title, so you know, I, I think it makes a little bit of sense. You know, Robbie Lawler's fighting Mike Perry here, maybe the winner of that, maybe La- Robbie Lawler again versus Carlos Condit or Diego Sanchez or Carlos Condit, I know they used to be teammates, but I'd, I'd say that's all kind of ended now, so I don't know. There's some good fights there from Carlos Condit. He looked like he looked good, I thought it would look sharp. Do you know what? I think the coronavirus is actually helping <coughs> MMA fighters uh, technically more than anything else because I, I think, was it Paul Felder made the, um, made the point last night, or maybe it was Dan Hardy, who were both phenomenal, brilliant. I thought the commentary, Brendan Fitzgerald, very good as well. I thought the commentary was brilliant. It's great. Fight Island, I love Fight Island so much because Daniel Cormier isn't there. I've, I have developed a horrible hatred for Daniel Cormier and everything considered with him talking about MMA. He's so... He's... Commentary is woeful. Let's he, be honest. He's la- la- laughing all the way to the bank. Oh, uh, yeah, he is like he's he's just pulling a fucking fast one on everyone here. He's his takes are terrible. Oh, Daniel Cormier just annoys me. But anyway, uh, but the, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, but the point they made was um, a lot of people are kind of getting one on ones because they couldn't train on big groups and you know hitting pads and things and it's improved people's uh technique technique and they've become more technical strikers over the the, the lockdown and i think it's shown you know even kind of kind of was always a bit like that i think with with brandon gibson uh but i think he's even looked a bit better and looked a bit sharper and saw brian ward last day. he looked really sharp but that's something that he's always kind of improved on as well i suppose but uh yeah i think it was uh i, I think that's an interesting point to look at coming up soon but anyway carlos condit looked good and there's some still some fights for him there still some uh gas in the old tank yes uh next week's ufc card then not a bad card actually looking at it here marlon rice versus Corey sandhagen in the main event uh macwan army candy versus edson barboza what a fucking banger that is in the co-main event bin rotwell marcin tabora big big meaty men bumping meat there in that one marcus perez versus proceed duplices not bad tom aspinall versus alan bodo i think he's coming in a short notice there or someone is anyway um then we have other people as well. Tom Breeze coming back. Are very interested to see what Tom Breeze looks like. He's fighting in an eight and Canadian guy K B Buller there. So Breeze didn't look great at all in his last fight. But if Breeze at his best comes out and fight, he's one of the best middleweights in the world, and I fully believe that. But can he be at his best? Interesting to see. Uh, Claire's Tony Kelly is fighting here as well against Ali Al Kabasi. Uh, we have Impa Kasayanga, who looked really good there, and he fought a couple of weeks ago, I believe. He's coming back 8 no fighting Jacqueline Buckley. Giga Chikadze is on this card as well against Omar uh, Morales. He's looked good recently, uh, and there's a few more things uh, as well. But um, what do you think of the... Well, first of all, the co-main event, Graham. Edson Barboza versus Ireland's own Ma- Mr. Ireland, Ak- Makwan Amerikani. Tough fight for Amerikani, isn't it? But, you know, we've yeah. seen him on the ground being very good. It's, it should be a fun one. Yeah, well, like, you know, Barboza, historically, if he is gonna gonna have a weakness in his game it's probably the grappling mm-hmm. so if Emory County can get that going um he definitely have some some advantages there and could, could easily uh you know not easily but if he can get on top could could uh, take the pop out of uh Barboza's strikes but uh I'd, uh, I'd, I'd have to favor Barboza here um he's just I think he's more well-rounded than than maybe he's he's given credit for maybe as you mentioned with Wes Brown maybe he's kind of categorized as you know kind of being one-dimensional even though over the years he's become well-rounded mm-hmm. uh so yeah I think that that's that's Barbosa's fight um the the main event is a very interesting one I see they have Sandhagen as a big enough favorite but I don't know about that have they I think, really? Yeah, I think Morais is all. Yeah, I think Morais is. I don't know. I'd probably go with Morais here. I think Morais is all, always underrated. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They have him at two point three five here, or two point three eight yeah. is the highest you can get him on sports bet. Plus one thirty five. I'm looking at here on uh, on uh, five dimes. So what would that be? That's like you know. I don't know, seven, not five to four or something like that. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good. I, I was looking at this and I was like, I think Sandhagen might have a chance, but Maurice will be a big favorite. I thought I hadn't even looked at the betting. That's crazy to me. Like Sandhagen's a very good fighter. We talked about him before his last fight, uh, where he uh, he lost to uh, who did he lose to? Aljamain Sterling. Sterling. Yeah. Uh, 
got demolished. Yeah. But it's when Sterling on his day, he can do that to anybody, nearly anybody. Yeah, hundred percent. Sandhagen is like a very loose, languid sort of fighter, long. But Maurice loves fighting lads like that. I think he'll come in and he'll throw bangers right down through the middle and try to knock him out early. And I think he probably will, to be honest. Like uh, maybe not early, but maybe in the first two, three rounds. It's a five-round fight as well. Um, but the, the thing about five-round fight is, Maurice in the past has kind of at times gassed, and he's and I think that's because he throws big heat early. Be interesting to see if he adjusts that or if he keeps doing that. And I don't know whether keep to keep to his game plan and keep doing that will be a good thing or a bad thing or to change to a five round game plan will be a good thing or a bad thing and I know he's he's done bits and pieces before but uh, yeah like I, I just feel like Maurice will be able to get inside in Sandhagen and will be a little bit too quick for him and land big shots like I think the thing with uh, Sterling was he was kind of too quick when he got inside and got the fight to the ground and was a little bit too slick um, it'd be interesting to see if Maurice maybe goes for a few takedowns as well and lands some big ground opponent on Sandhagen but that's very surprising to me that uh, that Santagen is the favourite, but uh, however, maybe the bookies know more than we do, but uh, let's see how it goes anyway. Um, right, Graham, before we go, what do you think of this Conor McGregor versus uh, Dustin Poirier fight? Do you think it's uh, our sparring match? Sorry, not a fight, not a fight, sparring match. What do you think of it? Is it going to happen? Uh, I think this, uh, it will cause a lot of legal issues and probably won't happen. Yeah. I can't see it happening. Ah, oh, Graham. See, uh, the UFC, uh, Dana White talked to my boy, the legend Robbie Fox, um, the other day, and he said he um, offered McGregor the fight, he offered Poirier the fight, uh, Poirier accepted the fight, which, you know, <laughs> maybe he should have talked to Conor McGregor before he accepted the fight, um, but... Look, it makes sense if McGregor wants to get back in there. They seem to be building up this a little bit. Uh, Tony Ferguson uh, has kind of been bypassed again, it looks like, for this because Tony Ferguson was supposed to fight Paria, and Paria and Tony Ferguson are like, yeah, let's do it together. Let's let's hold out for this. And then Conor McGregor comes in, and Tony Ferguson, poor fucker, is left there in the background with no fight again. But, uh, yeah, like... I don't think the the whole sparring match in, in December twelfth is uh, is possible, but maybe the fight between the two of them is possible. Maybe this is Conor McGregor doing mind tricks to to get the UFC to offer him a fight and uh, to to put a fight on. And it seems like they have now. Whether this is here, Conor will give you uh, two hundred and fifty grand to fight Dustin Poirier in January. Take it or leave it. We've offered you a fight. And obviously that's not going to happen if they're offering him that amount of money or whatever. And I'm not, you know, I just completely made up that number. But you know what I mean? This could be just Dana White offering a fight for the sake of offering a fight. Um, and it might never happen. It might just be for sure. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Sure, we know we know we can't believe believe anything that Dana says. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty much, true. that is very true. Look, as long as Conor McGregor doesn't fight Manny Pacquiao, I, I I'm happy. And if he fights MMA, I'm I'm happy. I don't care who it is. To be honest, I don't think the party. If, 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 if he fought if he fought Manny, that'd be that'd be hilarious. But if he boxed him, I don't think too many people would oh, be interested. Well, yeah, yeah. I'd like I'd love to see McGregor fight someone a boxer in MMA because like. He'd just destroy him, and it would, be, it would be a bit funny. And then he could fight again pretty quickly after that, and he could make all his money. But the problem is with boxing, you have to prepare, and you have to put in, like, a big, long camp. And, you know, like, Manny Pacquiao could have a two-year camp, and Conor McGregor could be fucking eating Walker's potatoes for the next two years and and go into the octagon and beat him in, in two minutes, like, handily. You know, that, that that's the problem with that. But uh, it's when you go on, you go box, you're probably going to lose, and you're going to have to... Uh, I don't know. It's just very annoying. But anyway, right, Graham. That's, I think that's it from us. That's it for me. Tra- deadline day coming up tomorrow. We'll give it, like, a minute here talking about soccer before we go. Not to annoy people, but Man United signing Cavani. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think they definitely needed uh, somebody, and uh, it's it's important for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer keeping his job that they get in the top four for the, all the monetary reasons. So hopefully they scrape top four. He keeps his job, and they continue going absolutely nowhere. I don't know. We've been improving now a little bit. We got uh, you know we're we're doing well. We're doing all right now. Pochettino will take us over, and he'll take us <laughs> to the next level. As long as Ole is at the wheel, uh, you're, you're, you're going nowhere. Yeah, Liverpool doing a great job of buying 29-year-olds, so Klopp can absolutely ride the club to the wheels till the wheels fall off, and then in two years, split for Bayern Munich. Um, 
and uh, and do well there. So yeah, I'm looking for I'm looking forward to two years time. To be honest, I'm living for that now. When Liverpool are yeah, absolutely you wish, you wish. You know very well that's going to happen. He's a, like Jota. I think Jota's a good player, but and Klopp might make him a great player like he has before. In fairness, but I don't think he's to the level Liverpool need to replace a Salah or a Mane. Minamino is useless. Um, they sold Rian Bru- what, what do you think about this? Like you, you absolutely championed yeah. Le- Rian Brewster. I'm, I'm a big fan of Rian Brewster. I, yeah. I I think um, it's probably a cash flow thing that they needed. They needed to sell him, but there's a buyback clause and a sell-on clause there that lasts three years. So yeah. the buyback clause lasts three years. So if if he does turn into the player that he's been. Uh, touted to be and the player that he's looked to be at underage level and in the championship and in friendlies and things like that then uh, then yeah I think like it's good to have the, the option to buy him back Liverpool aren't really a club that do that like that's more of a kind of Real Madrid Barcelona thing to do but I think it shows that they kind of didn't want to let this guy go um, why did they let him go in like, the just, just play him well, I think it's because of because of um, he's not really going to get minutes. Like it's just but not give realistic. Him minutes, like, he, man United have Mason Greenwood. He gets minutes. They have Marcus Rashford. He gets minutes. You know, why can't they just play him? Yeah, because yeah. he's he doesn't fit into the style. He doesn't fit into the style that they're looking to play in the front three. Like the yeah, he's not a twenty nine year old. Minamino yeah. and Minamino. Mm-hmm. No, like Minamino's not a twenty nine year old either. I don't like. He's I don't rubbish, know what this though. is all about. But he's rubbish. <laughs> all right well uh yeah the, all these rubbish players are winning everything so uh winning everything they, they've won two things graham winning everything god help you the world the world cup <laughs> the super cup the champions league super the cup, premier oh, league you, come on. Yeah. oh i can't sure, man united won't be in that for a long time they won't even be winning the europa league to get man, into that shit man, man united were in it two years ago so i know what you were talking about so, yeah, go. living in the past. It was you're living in the past as well. Man, you know the fans always living in the past. Liverpool, it's fucking, <laughs> it's it's three months since Liverpool won the won the league. Will you please stop? You know, stop living in the past. Reigning, yeah. reigning champions of the the Premier League, reigning club world cup champions as well. You're not there, are you? Not anymore because the Champions League is over. Yeah, and yeah the reigning. Nah, no, the reigning world club cup. Reigning fucking show of cunts all year. Never liked any of you. Anyway. I, I, I like Same this. Uh, do, do you know what's mad to that? Edinson Cavani is younger than Jamie Vardy. Not mad. Yeah, well, no, not really. Vardy's been around for a fucking long, long time. Yeah, he hasn't, but he's old. He was. He came from the, the non-leagues and stuff. And, but anyway, yeah. Jaden Sancho absolutely not going to sign. Dembele maybe, but probably not. <laughs> Did you, why is uh why is Liverpool especially and Man United well Man United especially but Liverpool as well not gone after Skriniar like they um Inter only want like sixty million for him euros like that's a steal he's one of the best defenders in the world like he transform a team he's brilliant that's so, such an odd one why why Inter well you understand why Inter want to let him go because Antonio Conte is fucking insane but uh I, I'm very I'm perplexed as to why teams aren't buying him but I don't know anyway um. We might have a, a True Balls podcast over on uh, over on True Balls over on my Twitter for uh, uh, the, the matches and deadline day and stuff. So tune in there. Follow Graham at Severe Me, me at Severe. What am I? At Sean Sheehan BA. Give Andy Stevenson, Andy SDE one two three, an old follow. Ian O'Neill MMA as well. Patrick Sheehan, give him an old follow. Who else? Harry Williams, give him a follow. Sean Betts. Um, geez, I'm probably missing someone now. Uh, Jake Jake Smith. Jake Smith Journal, all the boys. I think Jake will have something else in the next couple of weeks as well for us. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Severe Miz back with a fucking bang. We're, uh, the website's going well. Uh, the, the podcast's going well. The YouTube as well. So, uh, subscribe to the YouTube. And, of course, and a, and a cost Patreon. Uh, there's going to be a pile of stuff up there uh, as well. I believe myself and Andy will have kind of a review of the, the Irish MMA guys and, and stuff during the week. So that should be a bit of fun. Graham, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to everyone for listening. Christopher Graham, Sean, Denny, all the boys out there. Actually, let's answer one question before we go because uh, we we have a pile of them in here and we'll answer all the rest of them over on the, the Q&A when it comes in. Let's answer one of, uh, one of Christopher Graham's um, questions here. Has the matchmaking... Uh, in the pandemic, made uh, been made much more difficult uh, for the UFC, and has they, have they gotten a little bit more lazy? Like that's the one thing as well that I actually wanted to talk about because we talked about it a little bit before. Like this Aldana versus home fight is a perfect example of it, I think, because why beat Aldana with someone like home when home has had those shots before and Aldana hasn't, and she could be the next title shot or the next title challenger. So I think it kind of has another thing as well. Christopher Graham has three thirty main cards. 
<laughs> why the fuck would they do that? I have absolutely no idea. But the Habib fight coming up here soon is going to be uh, earlier. Uh, and he also asked in last question here, and we'll answer the rest on, on the Q&A. Uh, Mason Jones versus uh, Matthias Gamrat. I think Gamrat's opponent pulled out. What, what do you think of that, Graham? Um, Gamrat versus Mason Jones. That fight makes a bit of sense, doesn't it? it should be a good, that'd be a very, very good fight, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I think both guys could just stay away from each other and get to the UFC pretty soon. But uh, if they want to make that happen and kind of uh, prove who's the kind of best unsigned in, lightweight. In, not in the UFC. Like, Gamrat's already in the UFC and Mason Jones on about signing. Gamrat was supposed to fight a guy in the UFC. Oh. And, uh, and he pulled out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they went Mason Jones in there. But, yeah. I yeah never, never mind that then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Right. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. All that's left to do is give the inspiration quote of the week. Man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. See you next Tuesday. Or something there,